Romans chapter 12 is where we're getting these, and I'm just going to dive right in. You may want to go back and listen to last week's, not last week, I don't remember the last time, two weeks ago. We had VBS, and Elizabeth still couldn't remember what day was Sunday. Yesterday, she said, oh, we've already had Sunday since VBS. She thought it was this coming Sunday, and her head, her head is spinning. I asked Pete Sarrell, had he recovered from um, the food at uh, VBS, and he just kind of chuckled, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no one ever recovers from that. Yeah, but anyway, motivational gifts, chapter 12. Go back and listen to last week if you weren't here, but I'm, whatever, Two weeks ago, y'all know, you know what I'm saying, two weeks. What are the gifts from Romans chapter 12? The perceiver, the server, the teacher, the exhorter, the giver, the administrator, and compassion or mercy. Tonight, I want to get into kind of the context of the gifts. Starting next week, we will start testing each gift. Starting next week, we will start with the perceiver. And we're just going to focus on the perceiver next week. The week after that will just be the server. And we're going to take a, a short 20-question um, test each week for the next, starting next week, for the next seven weeks, barring some unforeseen reason why we might miss a week. But I, I'm planning on us hitting it every week. So I want to encourage you, be here. Be here. All right. So, the context of this passage, in this case, we're going to look at the first five verses of Romans chapter 12, then we're going to look a little bit uh, further into Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Y'all, have you got your Bibles? Go ahead and get them out with me. I'm reading from the Amplified, a little bit different. So, if you like your translation, I encourage you to mark this, go back and study this this week. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you... In view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. You know, something I have never seen is that as I present myself to God, that I present that part of me. I don't know that I've, I, that's, you probably say, how could you not ever think of that? I've never thought of that. In fact, I've fought God because of the way He made me. Rather than presenting the way He made me to Him to be able to use that in the way that it needs to be used. Not just what I think I'm strong at, not the way my brain is, not the way I have my education, not the way my physical body is but that I'm to present the way my inner, the way, he, the way He really made me. It's really good. It really helps me have a better understanding of how to, how to really view me and you. Verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to ex- external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. What's that saying? You may need to change the way you think and go ahead and offer the way you think to Him to allow Him to transform 
your way. Because for the most, not for the most part, for the whole part, our way doesn't work. His way does. And unfortunately, in the world, we allow ourselves to go down certain paths due to programming. We even do it in church. We were just talking this week about when, when things go well at church and you start to see growth, what does the church do? We throw a program at it. And we circle it up in some way to try to contain it and make that thing go. And a program isn't always the answer. And our programming might have worked 50 years ago, but doesn't work today. Those old school people that are in the house tonight. Those new school people that think the old school way doesn't work. Now let me tell you, for the most part... Solid teaching will always work. The Word of God will always work. It is not old school. The Word of God's not old school. It's forever. It's infinite. You can't put a time frame on the Word. It's always going to work. The problem is our minds sometimes tighten it down to where it doesn't work. Church does it too. So, don't be conformed. Be ready to change your mind. I believe that if you will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you over the next seven weeks, He is going to change your mind about how you think you are. About what you think you are. About how you think God made you. And I think if you will allow Him, you will find, I believe you will have revelation of how awesome you are. Somebody say amen. Because typically we don't feel awesome about ourselves. Do you know why? Because of world programming. God thinks we're awesome. He thinks you're awesome. And I want that to come alive in us. Verse 3. For by the grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. Verse 4. For as in one physical body we have many parts, organs and members... And all these parts do not have the same function or use. So we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ, the Messiah, and individually we are parts, we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on another. That is such a deep scripture. So Paul here is writing to Christians in Rome, and he's saying that we are to present ourselves to God. As living sacrifices. And it's only by this wholehearted dedication that our motivational gifts will, can be used as they were intended to be used. If we offer them to God to be able to work in us how he wants us to work. The second verse, about not being conformed, we learn that we need to have our minds renewed. 
Do you know it's one of the hardest things to do is to change someone's mind? Change someone's course? It is very hard. How do we do this? By the Word of God. As we prayerfully read and study the Bible, it becomes a living, personalized revelation of God, and our minds are cleaned, cleansed, and renewed. This key word, transformation, is the Greek word metamorphosis. Of course, we use to describe a caterpillar becoming a butterfly in the same way as the power of God's Word to take us from a caterpillar to a butterfly. The third verse, we learn that we, have, we are to have a right attitude about ourselves. That's what I was talking about earlier. Gratefulness and humility rather than conceit and an objective sense of value rather than self-abasement. We also learn that each of us have been given a degree of faith in order to properly and effectively use our motivational gifts. For instance, the perceiver has faith that God will answer petitions. The perceiver has faith that God will answer. The server has faith that enables him to complete any task when he's asked. The teacher has faith that she can ferret out the facts of any matter. The exhorter can find a way to encourage in any situation, no matter how big the problem. The giver will have the ability to find and supply the needs that God's people have. And the administrator has the faith that any project can be accomplished if the right people are brought together to do it. And the compassion, the strong, compassionate person can find compassion in any situation. It is such an awesome thing when the body of Christ is allowed and able to function in their gift. It is one of the worst things to see when someone cannot exercise their gift. Have you ever had your gift um, restrained? whether at work or in your marriage or in your family or in church. It is a painful thing to watch someone having to fight what their heart and what God has created them to do. We want to break out of that. The fourth and fifth verse, we learn that we need to discern the various gifts in the body of Christ and work together in mutual interdependence. So as we continue to look at the context of the Scripture, we've got to recognize that these motivational gifts are for the glory of God. Through you is going to come the glory of God. You are going to give the glory to the Lord through your motivational gifts. That's one way that we do that. And it's the only way these gifts we will find any fulfillment These gifts, of which we have been mostly unaware, are the motivating forces of our lives. And unless they are channeled properly, we will live a life of frustration. But once we discover them, we discover a tremendous potential for happiness. I'm going to kind of make fun of myself just for a minute. Um, 
I completely drive my wife crazy when I release my gift um, over her. <laughs> uh, in, in fact, it's really funny. You know, she spent the last semester um, just completely covered up in teaching and in schoolwork. So I did a lot of the stuff that she would normally do. I would run the kids around. I would go grocery shopping. And I, when I, I'm going to take this test with you as we take it together. And let me tell you, you, you kind of morph. You, it, what, I took it years ago, and I was a little bit stronger in certain areas, and I've gotten stronger in other areas, and I'm weak in other areas. And then I take it again, and I'm not quite the same. I'm still basically the same person, but I'm a little bit different. I mean, we should, it's transforming. We are transforming. So that means what you get today, you may be a little bit different tomorrow. You would hope that you will grow. God expects you to grow, right? So where we're weak, we want to strengthen up. But anyway, I go through Walmart, and I write down what's on the aisles, and I alphabetize it, and I straighten it out, and I have the perfect system for grocery shopping. I mean, I'm, I'm a C, I'm a, I'm a DC, so I really think I'm right all the time, and I'm, I kind of force my, my ways sometimes. So that's a real good combination of DC. So, what'd you say? She's, she's sitting there on pins and needles like, oh my gosh, what is she going to say? But uh, then she finishes her semester and we go grocery shopping again. And I'm like... You're messing this whole thing up. And she's like, no, I'm not. Why don't you just go back to the car? Why don't you just go home? She didn't say that. She, she loves for me to be there, but she loves for me to be there without all my glory showing up. So I'm looking at the watch and reading labels and pulling stuff that wasn't on the list. Now, that's not allowed. I literally can get in and out of Walmart, get in and out of Sam's, and get in and out of Aldi's in about an hour. All three. And when we go do this, it's all day. Amen. And I'm not happy by the end of the day. But when I do my one-hour shopping, I'm very happy. I want to call her while she's in class and say, I'm done. But we are, we are made that way for a reason. When I allow myself to work with her, I better her. When, when I allow her to work with me, when she allows me to work with her, we become way stronger than we were with just our own personality. I wind up driving people crazy. But we strengthen each other. What I, I cannot do what she does. And we try sometimes and fail. Sometimes I kind of succeed the cornbread doesn't exactly look like it should, but it tastes the same way. It's still the same ingredients. It just isn't quite what she can do. But my kids, my poor kids are like, when does mom go grocery shopping again? Because she comes home with the stuff we like. Like she's never doing the grocery shopping again. I'm doing it. We are saving money. I'm only getting what's on the list. That's it. Yeah. No, it's what you put on the list. Exactly, and that's a great thing. 
our budget has never worked so good. Anyway, our gifts are so awesome. They are so awesome. But if we are not operating in them the way God created us to, we wind up frustrated. And we wind up frustrating everyone else. What I'm saying is, and this has kind of been my word for the last few weeks, is potential. Just like in worship. All of a sudden, I didn't come in tonight seeing that potential, and I'm leaving tonight seeing all this potential in worship. I'm seeing all this potential in you. I'm seeing all this potential in our staff. God is just really revealing to me how much more and great He is. We box Him in. We think this is the way it is, and He's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Dude, that's nothing. I'm so much more. Try a little taste. So, not only are we going to identify our gifts but also how to release those gifts more effectively. You're going to see how your particular gifts have been evident in your actions, even from your early childhood, and maybe begin to understand your basic motivations for why you do what you do and what the effect of what you do is on other people. And we are also going to find that when we use our gifts... Our special gifts, only f- and we use them for our only uh, selfish reasons, they become polluted. But when we use our gifts to benefit others, cooperating with God's plan for our life, they are going to produce the greatest joy that we could ever experience. And you know the good news? Everyone has a motivational gift. You've all been given at least one, probably a combination no one has been left out. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, this is where I started last two weeks ago. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Romans 12, verse 6, verse 8, the next three verses. Uh, I believe this is the NIV. Um, it says, since, it may be the New King James. Since we have the gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, um, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, this is not a scripture that I'm going to use uh, that, I, that I have in here for you. But what I, what I want you to know is, you may be sitting there thinking, I know what my gift is, and I just can't. I, it's just not working in the church. Scripture tells us that our gift will make room for us. When we begin to really allow, we, we put our gift, we put who we are as a living sacrifice and offer it to God, God will find the place for you in the church. These gifts you see are here in order to serve each other in the body. In the body. So you may say, Pastor, I've been frustrated with this my whole life and I've never fit. When you offer yourself, when you allow your mind to be transformed and to recognize, okay, I may be a little bit off. Can everybody come to that point? I might be just a little bit off. And I'm going to allow the Lord to transform my mind and show me where I fit because I know I fit. pastor says I fit. Your word says I fit. I fit. I just don't feel like I fit. 
But I'm, my goal at the end of this for you and for me is to fit. Amen? All right, seven motivational gifts. They are motivating gifts. Each one of us receives one or more. So what do we do with them? Scripture stresses that our motivational gifts are, have been given to benefit others. So, my gift is to benefit my wife in the grocery aisle. <laughs> Why did you chuckle? <laughs> yeah. My gift is to benefit others, not hurt. My gift is to benefit others, not hurt others, not frustrate others, but benefit. Think about that word benefit. Help, support, help accomplish the goal. Help someone else accomplish their goal. Benefit others. Your gift is going to help me accomplish my goal but my, go my gift is going to help you accomplish your goal. You're going to see, if you've been coming on Sunday mornings, our ability to be successful is geared around us working together. We are not supposed to work by ourselves. It doesn't work. Our giftedness was not an afterthought. God didn't make you and then think, ooh, I left him out, throw him that one. No, a lot of thought went into making you. Long before you thought you were ever thought of, God was thinking of you. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Everybody, many of you know this scripture. You were formed, you, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows that very well. What is he referring to as his works? Us. He just said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and then he follows up and says, you are marvelous at your works. What's he saying? You, you were marvelous in making me. My frame, he's still talking about himself. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Do you know that our gift shows up uh, in our, in, in, as, as children? Our, I mean, I can see my, my kids' gifts in them now at their age. They don't have to be adults. I can see it now. And I believe that my gift was evident when I was a child. Um, it says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. What does that mean? As a child, you're going to see which way they should go. The child has a way to go. And not the way that the parent thinks they should go. In the way that God has created them to go. We're not supposed to neglect our gift. I've done that. I've read so many books to try to push my gift down. 
I think, I think in essence, I was trying to strengthen my weaknesses, but at the same time, I was pushing my gift down. And you know what happened? I hated what I was doing, and I was completely ineffective. Can anybody relate? I was having such a hard time, so I thought, well, it must be me, so let's suppress me, and let's figure out what I'm not, and let's get better at that. Hated that. I was killed. I was sucked, cut the air oxygen off to my life and frustrating everybody around me and couldn't go anywhere. Have y'all ever seen a vacation when he gets stuck in Europe in the roundabout? Hey kids, there's Big Ben. Hey kids, Big Ben. Hey kids, Big Ben. Finally, he's laughing um, psychotically. Hey kids, Big Ben. He's there for hours. That was my life. I was going nowhere. But you know what the Lord started doing in me is starting to show me that there was value in me. There's value in you. Don't neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Now, as I close tonight, I want you to know that if your gift is a perceiver, you are going to see the world with perceiver glasses. What I mean is a perceiver will look at life through a perceiver's eyes. And we're going to go into these, but a perceiver, everything they see is either good or bad, black or white, right or wrong in God's will or out of God's will. And it's impossible for a perceiver to see it any other way. Now, can you learn to adjust what you're seeing or at least adjust what comes out of your mouth? Yes, you can. But you are still going to see like a perceiver. Being around perceivers can be awesome and it can also be rough. They see, and sometimes they see very clearly, and it comes out very clearly out of their mouth. A server, on the other hand, will approach, or the, approach reality with the question of what can I do to help this situation? How can I plug in and help work, be a part of? He constantly notices opportunities to do things for others. A teacher will search For the truth in everything they encounter. An exhorter will be looking for opportunities to encourage people. I'm going to bring up David Trumbly again. Man, in my darkest hour, I want him to be around me. Um, Let me me say this. I always kind of make a big deal out of exhorters. I need perceivers around me. I need servers around me. I need administrators around me. We are empty if all we have is one one around us. Um, Perceivers will see things from God that no one else is seeing. These things, uh, let me talk about the giver. 
the giver will look for any way that he can invest his time, talent, and money into providing the needs for others. The administrator with broad vision will grasp the overall dimensions of the situation. Compassion will recognize hurts and wounds that need to be healed and see endless opportunities to express love. I'm high in administration. If I get around somebody in mercy, sometimes I think we are speaking two different languages. I do not even see where they're coming from. When I get around a teacher, when I get around a server, when I get around someone that's not what I am, I want to think they are out of their mind. That's what happens when, we're, when, when we allow our gift to kind of overtake and run over people. What we want to see is to recognize their gift is this, and they're going to show us a side to the situation that we need to see and that we're not seeing. I, I, I can see marriages coming to life. I can see families and children and and moms and dads with their children saying, oh, that's why you act like you act. Oh, I see value in you. Let's get you positioned to where you can run with that gift. Let me get behind you and support you in that gift rather than trying to fight it and change you into me. We don't need another me. Everybody say amen. We don't need another you. If you were married to someone just like you, one of you wouldn't be needed. None of us are alike. We're all here for a reason. It's to benefit others. It's to further the kingdom of God. It's to do more than we could have done on our own. It's to accomplish a goal that we could never have done by ourselves. Your gift is going to be the deal breaker in this church. Did y'all hear that? We are made up of one body. If you go missing, that body part's missing. Each of us are somewhat blind, somewhat, that's kind of a funny word, somewhat blind to other perspectives. I'm the worst. We are wrong to say that our way is the only way to see. To see, It's the only true way to see. The way we see is partly right. But we are not totally right by ourselves. We need each other's viewpoints another to see in order to see the complete picture. I, I had a very key person in our church, someone come to me and say, we need, we need to try this with this person. And I'm like, I don't see it. I don't see it. And a couple of people around me said, no, we need to try it. We need to try it. No, I don't see it. I, I don't think the way they think. No, give, give this person a shot. And it was, it was where my gift saw through my gift's glasses and couldn't see. And the people around me could. And I said, okay, let's try it. And I'm telling you what, the, the person came to life. Um, it, it was humbling. I thought, God, I thought you spoke to me. 
And he said, I do, through these two guys over here beside you. God doesn't just speak to us through his word. He speaks to us through, through our brothers and sisters. And he's saying, um, I don't just talk to you this way. I talk to you this way. He says, out of a multitude of counsel do we have victory. Not by yourself, Paul. But they could see. Listen, pay attention. God's speaking. God's speaking through my brothers and sisters around me. God speaks. One of the primary ways other than God's word that God speaks to me is through my wife. That's, that's scriptural. She's my helpmate. She's got my back. She's got the Spirit of God on her. God does not just speak to me through His Word. It is the primary way. But we need each other. It's like Tabitha giving that Word. We needed that Word. Had you not showed up tonight, we wouldn't have gotten that Word, I don't think. I don't know, we might have. God can work through, God can work in spite of us, let me just say that. But you have a part. But we can be blind. So we're going to discover our gifts. We're going to discover each other's gifts and how they differ and how they operate. And I want you to know whatever motivational gift you've been given, it is the best gift God could have given you for what he desires for you to accomplish. There's not a bad one in the bunch. There's not one that's better than the other. God did not make us that way. They are here to benefit other people, benefit the church. Church, as we go, rejoice in your giftedness. Use your giftedness. Develop your giftedness. All right, can I ask you to commit for the next seven weeks? Let's find out what we are. All right? Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for how great you are. You are so awesome. Lord, I just pray that you would just break us out into worship. Break us out as a worshiping church, Lord. I just ask you to just break us out into the body of Christ. Put us together, mend us together, mold us together. And Lord, let, let this place in your spirit just explode. Lord, I don't know what that looks like. All I know is that you're so much bigger and greater than I can even think or ask. But Lord, I've got such great expectation when I realize the potential that is in this church. And that Jesus, you died on the cross for each and every one of us. You loved us that much and you have gifted us for a reason. We have purpose here. Help us to find that purpose. Father, I just ask you to forgive me for um, maybe rejecting what you've made, really struggling. And Lord, I do just offer myself a living sacrifice to you to transform my mind. Lord, to transform this church. Thank you, Lord. I just ask you as we continue this series to form us and place us where we're supposed to be, each and every one of us. And that, Lord, that we would be willing to move. Thank you, Lord. 
Bless us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We will see you Sunday morning, 9-15 Sunday school, 10-30 service.